heavy track today. Yeah, not vibing risky lettuce, getting sinker vibes. I don't know, says on the Tab app she's firming. Don't just vibe it, get expert tips in Tab's new race feed. Tab, we're on. What are you really gambling with? The news and stories from racing's heartland. This is RSN's Racing Pulse. Welcome back to Racing Pulse. Great to have Matty Welsh live in the studio to look back on Cup Week, the carnival so far, and, and of course, to tell us a little bit more about the announcement that Racing Victoria put out yesterday with some changes to the 2024 All-Star Mile. Matt, how are you? I'm well. Did you say alive or, or live in the studio? I thought you might have said alive Did I? There. Well, yeah. most people are also just happy good. to be alive also after good. Melbourne yeah, Cup. Absolutely. <laughs> no, very well, very well. Uh, battled a lot of traffic to get in this morning. As soon as the, the heavens open, it seems people forget how to drive. But is anyway, it raining? Because light drizzle. This is an outstanding studio, but we don't have a window to the outside world. We've got a window to the Racing Victoria foyer, um, which is an interesting <laughs> world. Careful uh, what you say there. <laughs> but we haven't got one outside. We might need a live shot of outside on a Can on you a get Hoss to demolish this wall or yeah, something? I know. I mean, he's we doing a, everything else. Surely he can do a little bit of, uh, a bit of renovation in the studio. He's, he's on Midnight to Dawns as well this week. I, I tell you, I was standing in the mounting yard at, and sorry to digress a little bit, but at, at, at Flemington on Oaks Day and I was just having a casual chat to someone and then all of a sudden this thing stuck in my face and I'm like, what the hell's that? And there it was. It's uh, Andrew Bensley with the microphone. He's and, persistent. Uh, he there was no halfway doubt. through the first question already. I had no idea what was going on. No, there is one thing that you cannot deny is uh, Hoss's work habits. Um, gee, he must not like How his wife. He, well, well and, and when does he get time to sleep? Yeah. Is there a hammock out the back or something? It's unbelievable know. the hours he's oh, rolling. Oh, dearie, mate. You know, he's only 20. He's just had a very hard life. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> Almost half believe that. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the All Star Mile and uh, the new conditions because you you review it after each year, and I suppose the biggest one um, is the change in how horses get into the All Star Mile because previously, and when it was launched, it was all around the public vote, but that now has changed to specific winning your in races. It has, so it's going to be a, a combination of winning your in races and also wild cards and every year the team here has reviewed the all-star mile uh, it's five years in now so you know, it's a good time to make some changes we feel uh, the team conducted a significant review through uh, may and june i think it was on the back of last year's or this year's all-star mile and there were a few recommendations put forward uh, one of which was to remove the voting, but retain the owner ambassador element. So we see that as really important. It's a, a great feature of the race. So that'll stay. There'll be a basic competition people can enter to then ultimately get assigned a horse. And we'll have more on that in due course. But we also wanted to make it simple for trainers to be able to plan their preparation. And one of the bits of feedback we continually get on the All-Star Mile is the uncertainty for trainers and connections makes it tough. They can't necessarily plan a preparation around knowing they'll get into an all-star mile because they don't know if they're going to be in the top 10 of voting. They don't know if they're going to get a wild card. So that's challenging. And ultimately, when we come to get the final field or get those last couple of runners in the field, we find we're ringing trainers and they go, oh, sorry, we're in Sydney. We would have loved to have known at the start of the preparation, but we're off targeting another race or we're targeting another race in Victoria. So we wanted to remove that friction and that pressure point. Going to a range of winning you're in races and wild cards is, allows us to give connections more certainty. They can plan their preparation, not just around the All-Star Mile, but also hopefully the Australian Cup. 
which is two weeks later. It's the first time it'll be two weeks after the All-Star Mile. So we think that is the perfect progression, 1,600-metre weight for age up to 2,000-metre weight for age. And they get to race for $7 million in the space of two weeks, one at Caulfield next year, the uh, the All-Star Mile, and then Flemington, of course, for the Australian Cup. So we think it's now the right program for the first time since the All-Star Mile's been introduced, and we think these changes will certainly uh, look... I think they'll be well-received, and they certainly have over the past 24 hours. Because one of the big elements at the start was, you know, we'd have a, a bit of a battler factor. The, the crowd favourite gets voted in to take on the best, but the reality of it was they were never going to beat the best. So... Do you want to still try to retain that type or make it now a genuine world-class mile race with the best of the best? Well, there's no doubt it's one of the best races in Australia already. We'd like to have that depth right across the field. There is still the ability to bring the romantic story in. The wild card can be assigned to anyone. So if there's an emerging horse who's got a picket fence coming out of the country who's bolting in from a small stable, that's a great story and maybe we'd, we'd include that horse as a wild card. So there's still the ability to do that and, and bring the romantic story into the race. But we do. We want to make the, the All-Star Mile into the Australian Cup the, the absolute pinnacle of, of our racing offering. And we think this does that. Um, the All-Star Mile to date is rated as a, a Group 1 in each and every one of its years. The top uh, tier of the race has been really strong. We think that this will strengthen it right across the board. So... For those who were used to voting and the public aspect has been allocated a horse, you will still have that, as you mentioned, that the, um, however you decide it will be deemed, that there will be members of the public that will get allocated a horse in the race and, and chances to win. How much was it last year? 250000 Last year was half a million. Half a so million. we'll announce the competition details in due course, but absolutely. So there'll still be 16 owner ambassadors. Each will be assigned a horse and they'll be in... They'll, they'll win prize money based on where their horse finishes. We see that as really unique to the All-Star Mile and we see it as a really important element. So that will absolutely be retained. And we think going from a voting mechanism to a simple competition entry mechanism actually plays to one of the KPIs of the race, which is to bring new fans to racing. If you're asking new fans to vote, you're asking them to already have a degree of knowledge about racing. Whereas if you remove that barrier to entry, you suddenly open yourselves up to a broader market. So we think it um, ticks the boxes in a number of areas. And we've also cast the net wider as well. So we've introduced some winning you're in races in New Zealand. So I'll have two on Caracas Millions night. Just run through what the eight races are that gets you the golden ticket get into the all-star mile as it stands so the first will be this saturday first and foremost we're straight off uh, the grid and the sir rupert clark stakes on saturday the group one contest will be a win and you're in race at caulfield so whoever wins that's into the all-star mile there'll be two as i said in new zealand on caraca millions night um you've got the three-year-old 1600 meter classic which has been a really good form reference in the last couple of years and also their new race the uh, aotearoa classic over 1600 meters for four-year-olds exclusively and if you think of some of those four-year-olds coming through in New Zealand at the moment, you've got legatos and these sorts of horses. Mm. There's an outstanding crop of them coming through. So I think we'll think we'll get a good horse out of uh, that race. And then you've got the Ore Stakes, the Futurity Stakes, the uh, 
Australian Guineas and also the Blamey Stakes. And we'll add another race, an eighth race, in the next couple of weeks. So they're the eight Will that race be in Melbourne? Not necessarily. No, no. It won't necessarily be in uh, in Melbourne. And we'll assess those races each year. We'll obviously factor in whoever the host club is. So this year it's Caulfield. We've got the Rupert Clark on, on Saturday, or in 2024, Caulfield are hosting. We've got the Rupert Clark on Saturday. And uh, we'll just pivot year on year and assess how they've gone. But really keen to bring that New Zealand element in, not just because of the quality of horses they have, but if you think of New Zealand, there's, there's 5 million people over there. So it's almost a similar size to the state of Victoria. They're on a great time zone for consuming and wagering on Australian racing. That's almost a better time zone than what we have here. They're consuming it in the twilight window. Uh, they Wagering is growing over there and interest is growing over there with Entain coming on board and doing a great job to prop up New Zealand racing. So we want to see the Victorian product grow and we think it's a great opportunity um, to partner with our, our friends across the ditch and uh, hopefully uh, it's well received and there's a lot of interest back the other way in the All-Star Mile in uh, the middle of March in 2024. Yep, absolutely. Uh, there was an SMS saying, well, hey, what about us over here in the West? What about the railway um, as a qualifying race? Could potentially be on the cards. Yep, it's the sort of race that fits the bill. There's no doubt about that. Does the club that holds the All-Star Mile have a say in what qualification races they want? We've worked with the MRC, certainly listened to uh, what they've had to say on it and taken that on board. So, yeah, we'll work with the host club each year. Uh, and as I said, we've worked closely with the MRC. What about uh, our mates over in Hong Kong now that Romantic Warriors come over and won the Cox Plate? Uh, there's, a, there's a nice mile race coming up in a few weeks. It certainly is. It'd be great to have some international participation. And the fact that we now have, instead of just having the All-Star Mile to offer, we've got the All-Star Mile into the Australian Cup across a fortnight. It's got to be appealing to those horses in Hong Kong in other jurisdictions. I mean, we have some of the best prize money in the world. And, you know, uh, I think there's a big race that um, Romantic Warrior won in mid to late April last year back in Hong Kong that no doubt he'd want to be uh, back home for. But, you know, it'd be great to see him back uh, having a crack in the autumn, him and Danny Shum, who we loved having out here this spring carnival. SMS asking, would you consider changing the weight for age? And Matt Stewart's been on this for a while, the weight for age classification of the race to make it more equitable for other horses, whether it's a set weights penalty or handicap system. The team's looked at it across a number of years and each year has decided to continue down the wait for age path. I think particularly given we've made the changes we have this year, it's completely appropriate that it remains at wait for age. And then you've got the 2000 metre wait for age Australian Cup a fortnight later. So that works really well. We'll see how that goes. Again, we'll assess it on the back of next year's running. And the the integration or the engagement um, of new punters and racing fans how do you quantify that now without the vote because that was a, a major pillar of greg carpenter when he originally launched the all-star mile well as i said this is trying to grow the amount of new fans engaging in it and we can um, check it against databases we can obviously we'll capture some data when people enter that competition like we did when they were voting so we'll do it in exactly the same fashion and, and we can see who is new to racing so it's just a simplified you enter you don't nominate a horse, you go in the, the running to be drawn next to a Correct, horse. correct. So the, the, the part that will be removed is the actual need to vote. Yep. 
Uh, and the other byproduct of that, which is a minor byproduct, it wasn't a, a significant consideration, but it is also far more cost effective running a simple competition. So it means that we make some cost savings that we can then pass on to be it participants through prize money uh, or, or other areas of the business. So not only does it make it simpler, it makes it more cost effective, which no doubt would be really well welcomed by uh, participants out there. In regards to that, it's it's gone from $5 million to $4 million, the all-star mile. Um, is there a, a want to get it back to $5 million or do you see it better served that extra million dollars being spread elsewhere? Look, we'll continue to assess it. I mean, it's one race amongst 4,400 that we run. And as we said, leading into spring, we just need to try and get back to a period of growth first before we can look at things like increasing prize money. Uh, It's certainly a race that we are invested in, we think is performing really well, and we're doubling down on it. But at the moment, that wouldn't materialise by way of increased prize money. I've said it throughout that we need to try and get back to periods of growth and and, um, grow wagering and interest in the sport before we could be looking at those sorts of initiatives. And what date is the All-Star Mile on again this year, next year? Uh, That's a very good question. Saturday the 16th of March. Okay, at Caulfield. At Caulfield, yep. 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 And then... A year after that, has that been the rotation decided? Not. We haven't decided what okay. happens thereafter. I mean, naturally, you'd think it just continue to rotate. So that would be Flemington, I believe, next in the rotation. Yep. Um, but again, we'll assess it on the back of this year. Um, speaking of programming, obviously, we've got the, the rejigged um, Group 1 finale this weekend with the 1,000 Guineas and the Rupert Clark. I think 1,000 Guineas is shaping up really well. Rupert Clark maybe not as, as strong as what previous editions have been, but it looks like there's... Deep entries. What's your assessment as we speak right now of how it looks? Touch with the thousand guineas holds together because it looks like a, a cracking field, and there's a number of fillies who who simply wouldn't have made a mid October thousand guineas, and I think they add a lot more to the race. Um, it being a little bit later, so pleased from that perspective. Uh, it's good to see we've got a reference back to the flight stakes in there as well through Komochi, who ran so well in that race behind um, Tropical Squall, ran second and arguably should have finished closer. So we've got the Group 1 reference from the flight, which we want, and then we've got all those emerging fillies that we hoped we'd get. So it's shaping up as one of the best additions in recent years. There's Mm. no doubt about that. And it didn't impact the Oaks at all. The Oaks, you know, the, the stayers went on the staying path. The middle distance fillies have gone on the middle distance path. The other thing it's done is it really strengthened the Desirable, which was run on Cup Day. It was a fantastic race. And it also strengthened the Phillies Classic on Cox Plate Day, which was its best edition in recent years. So uh, that's certainly worked. It's only one year so far. And uh, one swallow a summer doth not make. The Rupert Clark, I mean, it's a race that had been struggling uh, in its slot where it was. It'll be interesting to see the final makeup of the field, whether Buenos not just takes its place or not. It looks an ideal race for him, but uh, it seems that they may not head that way. Uh, would we love a, a, a better quality field? Sure, but I think it's a it's a very good edition of the Sir Rupert Clark. It's year one in the new time slot. I think trainers will learn where it is and adapt accordingly, and I think it'll only get better from there. So all in all... Um, we obviously don't have final fields yet, but I think they're shaping up to be two really, really good races. And I certainly think the move of the 1,000 guineas uh, has been a real positive. The other one that's shaping up, race that's shaping up very well on Saturday is the Country Cups final. 
so that looks like being an absolute capacity field. Uh, that's obviously pulled points from each of the 55 country cups across Victoria, which will uh, has determined the order of entry and uh, really pleased with how that race is shaping up on Saturday. Yeah, I think that's a great initiative. I don't think you get any, any pushback on that. Um, I think having that series with a combination of half a million dollars, uh, you're always going to get a big, strong, full field for that. I think that's great. You can never get everything 100% perfect because the carnival goes for so long and there's huge pressures from Sydney um, to drag horses out and, you know, horses have only got so many runs in a campaign. But are there any races that you, you're looking at and you're assessing? I know the Manicato is getting squeezed terribly by the Everest, but not just that, all the sprint races around it as well. Um, we had a pretty thin... Um, water for Crystal Mile on Cox Plate Day. I know it was an elite seven in the Champions Mile, but again, it was only seven there. And if a couple of those horses had decided to go to the 2000 and not the 1600, it could have been very thin. So what's your assessment of a few of those races moving through the carnival? It's probably too early to give any significant insights. We'll review the spring in its entirety as we did last year. And we made some some tweaks, including the thousand guineas, including the underwood, uh, which moved forward a week, and that proved to be a, a really good success. It's been arguably one of the best form races of the spring. Alligator Blood won it. You had without a fight come out of it, win a Caulfield Cup, Melbourne Cup. Uh, you had Sulcum come out of it, run second in a Melbourne Cup, and also Attrition uh, went on to win a Turak Handicap. So we'll look at other things that can improve the flow of the spring. We want to make it better for trainers and connections and better for fans what so we, we have do with the manicardo to re revitalize it it's an interesting question i mean i think to, the year year before last it was a reasonable food you had bella nipotina mm. we still attracted the the best sprinter in the country so we need to remember that she probably imperatra probably scared away a couple as well i know it's a uh, it's next year it's going back to a week out from the Everest, so it's going to be hurt but look we'll assess it whether it can be placed in a better position and we did some work around that this year but ultimately uh you know that's a decision we make in conjunction with Mooney Valley and uh, we'll have discussions but I think largely um you know we were comfortable running it on Cox Plate Day this year and I think again that will likely be the case next year Um, but I I wouldn't underestimate how much Imperatrez's presence scared others away and at the end of the day we must remember we saw the best sprinter in Australia contest that race. Do we need and we've done it in the past, um, like a bonus kind of system. It, it can be hit and miss, and I know that's what's kept a lot of the runners in Sydney because they've got uh, huge money with their sports bet sponsorship to accumulate points instead of coming down to Melbourne uh, because it's easy money just sitting there. Really like the idea of series and and um, you know progressions through the spring, and that's something we'll certainly look at ahead of next year. Uh, we've got to bear in mind we've got to work within the financial constraints that we have, and you know I don't think. Um, you know, we've got to have some sort of return, on justifiable return on investment on those bonuses or series. But we will certainly look at series that we could create that build narrative right throughout the spring and crescendo in grand finals and try and keep as many of the good horses in Victoria as we possibly can. But I think right across the spring, the good quality races have seen the best horses race in Victoria. So I'm certainly not concerned about the quality of stock that we had down here. Uh, And I think all in all, we've had a a really pleasing carnival from a racing perspective and one that we should be certainly very proud of. Oh, I agree. The major races absolutely um, have been phenomenal, the the performances and the quality of the fields. Just on 
you say you have to work within the financial constraints. What's what's the Spring Carnival turnover been like? Uh, and we can go back from the start of the Caulfield Cup Carnival to what the early figures coming out of Melbourne Cup Week look like. We'll have more to say on the actual detail in coming days and weeks, and the team is still finalising the Cup Week um, turnover. But what I'll say is similar to what I said last time I was in here is that turnover has been soft. And we certainly forecast that. It's why we did things like introduce a 10th race, which has been a great success. It's why we made small tweaks to prize money. We knew what was going to happen this spring carnival, and and that has certainly materialised as such. Um, But I don't think it's been in any way by virtue of the product that turnover has been soft. It's been um, because of uh, cost of living. It's been because people are betting more and more on sport and the competition from sport is certainly increasing. It's also been because we went through an unnatural high during COVID. So it really is, it's not relative to compare to those peak COVID numbers, the turnover now as we emerge from COVID and the competition for people's time and dollar has increased again. So turnover's been soft across the spring to answer the original question. Including Cup Week? Don't have the the final figures from Cup Week, but you'd suggest it'll follow similar sort of trends. Um, Cup Day itself looks like it's was really strong and engagement on cup day I think was excellent and and um you know it was one of the best cups in in recent years I think people really bought into it so that was a real positive but you know it's nothing that we didn't expect this spring carnival and we said it prior to the carnival it's why we made certain tweaks um you know it didn't make me popular that's for sure but they were the right decisions and they've been proven to be the right decisions and um you know we'll assess the carnival on the back of this and and see how we move forward but um and the feedback um to the 10th race from participants and i know there was a lot of concern from race clubs about deterioration of the track what's the the feedback being now it's a few months into this yeah well, the last the last four or five weeks either we haven't had a 10th race or uh, cox plate and caulfield cup carnivals already had 10 races so um going back to early october the feedback had been largely um or it had been really positive to be honest uh i don't think we'll see the full impact on the track until we get 12 months in and probably the the area of concern uh that um I think track managers probably have is more so the winter period. And so we might end up in a position, and I'm just hypothesising here, where there's certain periods of the year where you don't run 10 to protect those tracks. Because we'll, that's what Queensland, Queensland have done. They're doing, I think they're doing six or so months. We'll listen to feedback, but all in all, so far, the 10th race has delivered strong field sizes. It's delivered really good wagering turnover. So there's been a positive revenue situation for the industry, which means we can distribute more money elsewhere. It's added prize money into the system where there wasn't. And it's provided a a range of trainers an opportunity to win a race on a Saturday that they otherwise wouldn't get. And by virtue of that, a range of connections who wouldn't get to. And that's what everyone races for. They want to win races in town. They want to win feature country races. So we're providing an extra opportunity. So it's been a real success. Last one before we take a break. Uh, We saw the MRC work closely with um, Racing New South Wales on Everest Day and it seemed like it worked quite smoothly. Um, Reading reports that New South Wales is going to announce another big... um, carpet bombing of their spring carnival and increase um weight for age races and the like um what is the partnership like and do you just say they do what they want to do 
Um, we'll never give them Group 1 status for the Everest and the Golden Eagle. We don't expect to get it for the All-Star Mile. What, what, where, where is the situation at the moment? Well, firstly, we'd like to see patent guidelines signed off so that the patent committee can get working again. So that is absolutely what we want to see. So races can uh, that need to be uh, uh, achieved Group 1 status can, and conversely, we can adjust others that need to move the other way. Um, we've had some good discussions with New South Wales, particularly around race times. And they worked with us on minimising the impact when the 10th race was introduced. So that was good. That was fantastic. And we thank them for that. We worked with them, as you said, we worked with them on those race times on Everest Day to get the Turak Handicap on Main Channel on Channel 7. We also got the King Charles on Main Channel on Channel 7. That was because we had worked with... um, Racing New South Wales on that and worked, used our partnership, strong partnership with Channel 7. So there have been instances where we have worked with them in recent times. And I'd like to see that continue to um, to flourish, that, that those relationships. You know, they've taken real estate in spring or they've established a really strong spring carnival. Some elements of that is good for Victorian racing because we must remember that 60% of our turnover doesn't come from within Victoria. So if we're growing racing in other states, that's a positive. I'd ultimately love to see a situation where we can at least work together on the the flow of races so that you get the best horses racing the best horses as much as you possibly can. We know that the jockeys and the trainers are going to be split on a lot of the days, but at least let's get the races and the flow of races right so that there'll be days where the best sprinters are in Sydney, the best milers are in Melbourne and at least get to that position. I think it'd be a, a really positive step. But to answer your original question, I've had a, I went up to Sydney a few weeks ago, caught up with uh, someone from Racing New South Wales then. Uh, we've had good discussions with them around race times and, and hopefully uh, that coordination can continue to improve. Yeah, I think everyone would like that. Uh, Matt, appreciate your time uh, and uh, giving us a bit more news, really all-star mile. We'll wait to get those uh, figures a couple of days now just on um, the entire... Um, spring carnival rewagering. Yeah, absolutely, and well done to all the clubs as well. I mean, the clubs put on a have put on a fantastic show so far this spring. The MRC, Mooney Valley, and and last week the VRC, and uh, of course the MRC got two more big days to go with the uh, the Caulfield Thousand and also the spring finale. So, done a terrific job, and the atmosphere on course, the crowds on course, I think's been uh, really really good. Absolutely. Uh, quick break into the news, and then we'll have all your Tuesday winners.